Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. One size fits all seemed like a good idea for clothes. Nice dress. Uh, it's a it's a t-shirt. Until you tried it on. Same goes for your healthcare. That's why United Healthcare offers a variety of flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. So whether you're between jobs, coming off a parent's plan, or even missed open enrollment, you can find the plan that fits you best. Find out more about United Healthcare coverage at uh1.com. That's uh1.com. Selling a little or a lot? Shopify helps you do your thing however you chiching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business, from the launch your online shop stage to the first real life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage? Shopify is there to help you grow. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout. 36% better on average compared to other leading commerce platforms. Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Get a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash work. Shopify.com slash work. Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me, because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates, like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. Hey, Dave. Yeah, Randy. Since we founded Bombas, we've always said our socks, underwear, and T-shirts are super soft. Any new ideas? Maybe sublimely soft. Or disgustingly cozy. Wait, what? I got it. Bombas. Absurdly comfortable essentials for yourself and for those facing homelessness. Because one purchased equals one donated. Wow, did we just write an ad? Yes. Bombus. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombus.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. The following is a presentation of the Four Center Podcast feed. From the center of the galaxy, this is a Four Center podcast feed. I'm Ken Napsok with Joseph Scrimshaw and Jennifer Landa for the big show, the main show, the Superstar to Star. Actually, today we are on the bridge of the second Death Star. That's right. You're going to hear through this sh- show some banging and clanging. That's because 
Well, the studio next door to me is being remodeled, and, uh, well, we still got to record. So, Joseph, Jennifer, welcome to the construction of the second Death Star. This is very funny, because I'm just picturing Jer Gerard with that really worried little sickly look he gets on his face. I'm like, oh, geez. <laughs> we shall double our efforts. We shall double our efforts. Yeah. We shall bang on the walls next to Ken's apartment faster. <laughs> I always love it, because uh, the way L.A. works, you know, we don't live all that far from each other, but with traffic, it's a day's journey. Yes. And uh, I... I uh, woke up and they started uh, started this construction. I thought, well, we should have recorded at uh, Joseph's studio, <laughs> but it's too late to tell him that. <laughs> Turn around. So I was already here. camped out on the 101. Right. Oh, it's crazy. But we're uh, here now, Jen. We're here now. Yes. Reminds me of that tiny Death Star video game. Do you guys remember that on your mobile phone that you could use? No. You could no. build the Death Star in essence. Really? Well, not really build it, but you could like go to different levels. You could have a coffee somewhere. It was really <laughs> well, fun. Now I must download and play. It was really just, fun. You just chilled on the Death Star? <laughs> yeah. If I remember it correctly, I some mean, of you guys out there might have played it. you have like a shopping level? I was addicted. Yeah. yeah. I think that you could what? go shopping. I this think. is, you know, we wow. need, you, if this doesn't already exist, number one, I want to download this game. Two, we need like SimCity Death Star. Oh, oh yeah. yeah. Where you construct your own Death Star. Yeah. yeah. And just randomly troops. gets blown up, you know, yeah. halfway through. You get your perfect Sim Star and then bang. <laughs> like when the tornado would hit in <laughs> SimCity 2000, oh, no. which is a game. But gosh, someone make that game. I used to play in the Commodore. I, I think I told you guys about the NASA game I used to play in the Commodore 64. No. You could manage like shuttles, space stations, but you down to, and here I am 10 years old, you had to hire the right scientists and you had a budget and you had research and development. Nice. And it was this intricate game. And I was talking about, some people do remember it. It's on the Commodore 64. Then you launched the shuttle into the, into the atmosphere and then out into space and you had to build a space station. Oh, nice. Oh and if you gosh. left your guys in the EVA pod too long, they would die. <laughs> and oh. you would see on your roster list, Jim uh, Smith, scientist, dead. No. Oh, wow. so 10 years old managing this project. I want that for the Death Star. <laughs> That's what I want. See, That's all the crazy. Crazy Star Wars names of people who have died. Yes. Sad. Uh, that is my crazy adventure, reminiscing <laughs> here. Uh, but you guys, oh, I, you guys had a, a little show last week, and I want you to update the listeners on how that yeah, went. Yeah, yeah. I co-host the uh, Los Angeles edition of Story Collider, which is a show that's uh, all over America and New Zealand and Canada, uh, where people talk about, uh, tell personal stories about how science has affected their lives. Oftentimes it's scientists, but also it's artists talking about their relationship with science. And uh, Jennifer was the guest on mm-hmm. our show last week and it was great it was a lot of fun it was a great show i was terrified but it was a wonderful crowd (laughs) and i slipped back into my old theater days yeah you performed the hell out of it it was it was perfect it was great people were moved they laughed they cried (laughs) they had all the emotions and facial reactions (laughs) yeah my husband and friends were like we didn't even know this side of you like when did all this happen i was like many many years ago my story but joseph was hilarious Aww, joseph yeah. and audrey they did yeah. little little bits interludes That's in between great. each performers and i was just like i could just watch this <laughs> this is yeah. great oh it's my turn to go okay yeah and audrey's been on force center before and will be on again so yeah. i'm glad it went so well i was busy getting my uh ass kicked at movie fights oh okay. uh, so i apologize for not being a supportive uh, podcasting partner there but i'm glad to hear this went well yeah yeah, yeah. and we'll see we'll see so they some they basically they have all the live shows and they pluck different stories out for the podcast so I'm, okay. I'm, and i have no control over that so I'm very much hoping that the whole world gets to hear Jennifer's story. Oh, wow. it was, It's uh, insightful and uh, had some great Yoda moments. Yes. Oh, Although I, I think I did hear so one one older gentleman when the second time I referenced Yoda, he kind of went, 
<laughs> I think I might have heard that too. Because it, it, it's it's a very mixed audience, which is really nice. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but yeah, <laughs> I saw him. I knew exactly who? who he was. I was like, "Sir, you're getting the Yoda wisdom, whether you like it or not." Who, who doesn't like Yoda wisdom? Well, I think it might have been that somebody came to like, "I'm going to a science based uh, storytelling <laughs> show," and then I brought up uh, the Han Solo movie in like my opening mm-hmm. story right before Jennifer was uh, Fawn Davis, who is a model yeah. maker and designer for the prequels, and he talked about his journey to ILM. So I think Ms. maybe by the time he got to Jennifer's like, all right, this this woman's got this great story about sight. Oh, damn it. Now here's Yoda rearing his little green head. Uh, I, yeah, and I was like, okay, well, we'll just funny. power through. Yeah. And how, Jennifer, are you afraid of anything when you've danced in a train station? I still That's don't get easier. over that. That's easier. I, don't, I, can't, I can't even <laughs> sing in my car. There's dance in my car. Yeah, yeah. Uh, well. Anonymity. Uh, yeah, exactly. I did want to mention one other yeah. cool thing for me that the show that I worked on that is going to be on Adult Swim is finally announced. <gasps> so oh, I yeah, can yeah, actually please. talk about it. There's a <laughs> show coming out uh, next year called Tigtone. It is a fantasy, a parody of fantasy mm. uh, that I had uh, a chance to do some writing on. So if you Great. like fantasy, Go check out uh, Tigtone when it arrives. Cool. Yeah, you've been you've been working on that for a bit there. Uh, it, well, yeah, yeah, I did some work on it, and yeah. then you wait and you wait and you wait until mm. they put it in the trades and they announce it. Yeah, that's great. Wow. Well, uh, yeah, look for that. We'll update you guys on where you can find that and all that fun stuff. And I do want to remind you that today's podcast is brought to you by Audible. Get a free audiobook download and a thirty day free trial at www.audibletrial.com slash force center. Over one hundred eighty thousand titles to choose from for your iPhone, Android, Kindle, or MP three player. We'll have our Force Center recommendation a little bit later in the show, and we thank you all who have been trying this through us here. It helps the show directly. So we've gonna we're gonna we're going to the news. The main topic today about Mandalorians uh, and John Favreau series and all that kind of stuff, which has been fun because it's the first kind of time in a while I had to make sure I sat down and researched before <laughs> I talked. It's one of the last frontiers of unknown material for me as a Star Wars fan. Yeah. So. yeah. We're going to dive into that, but but not before we uh, turn to Jennifer and look at Star Wars news. Well, you can always count on Bob Iger for the latest Star Wars news updates. While speaking to the investment community, he shared that the Disney streaming service will be available at the end of 2019. Iger said that their first priority is going to be reaching their core Disney fan. The service will have a lower volume of content than Netflix and will therefore probably cost less. In terms of Star Wars content, the good news is that any Star Wars movie released in 2019 or later will be on the service. The bad news? All Star Wars films that were released before 2019 will not be available on the platform since they have been licensed to other distributors. Iger said, quote, the marketing will make clear that it's not going to be on there. End quote. <laughs> so, does this feel like they're trying to set our expectations low? Just by kind of remind us, hey guys, this is a Disney streaming service. Yeah. We're going to have some other content, yes, but you know. Yeah, that does seem to, uh, to like, let's put the Disney brand forward first, mm-hmm. you know, since everybody's talking about Star Wars or Marvel. Yeah, exactly. Like, pump the brakes, guys. Yeah, price point being lower is a bit of a, a pleasant surprise to me because I'm yes. constantly, especially with the other services raising their their dollar amount subtly over the course of time. And yeah, I'm just not looking forward to when it is inevitably raised. Like, <laughs> yeah, right. two months after two it's months launched, after probably. Launch. Like, yeah, like now, it's only three dollars a month for two months, and now it's eighteen dollars yeah. a month. Now we got Star Wars pictures. Yeah, mm-hmm. and it's just part of this cutting the cord. 
uh, atmosphere we're in. Yeah. I, I finally did it myself. Don't have regular cable. And I, at times I wish I did because now I'm paying $50 for pay, PlayStation View, 10 for Netflix, 10 for WWE. That's my choice as a fan. But wow. now this, um, among other things, you know, yes. so we know. We, but but I'm, in, I'm intrigued uh, how much we'll be on there. Original Disney pro. I mean, is that I know Star Wars is getting original stuff on there, but yeah, yeah, Fox and the and the Hound the series is that coming? I don't know. Uh, yeah, they're doing some like a, a, a remakes or reboots. Uh, I believe they're doing a High School Musical reboot. They're doing oh, well, I'm out. <laughs> original <laughs> movies. You know, just okay. for the platform, like uh, the Lady Lady and the Tramp. They're redoing that. Nice. Yeah, so some things like that. They'll be. Um, so basically it's going to be great for, for my daughter. I'm like, Oh cool. More content. But, but for me as a star Wars fan, I was like, Oh, there's probably not going to be too much. And he said, he even said, he's like, we're going to, we're going to walk before we run on this service. (laughs) So I think like the, uh, the, the tagline for this is going to be like Disney streaming, manage your expectations. (laughs) Exactly. (laughs) Uh, No, nothing about when to expect the Favreau series or the clone wars, right? That's going to be doled out. Real mm. slowly, could, it could be a while for both of them, right? It could be a while. That would yeah. make sense. I mean, they're not not shooting yet on Favreau series because he might be finishing the scripts, right? I mean, yeah, yeah. he's wow. still working on another movie. Yeah, yeah, exactly. That's right. That's right. It could be a bit. Mm-hmm. So we'll see what Bob Iger tells us next. I can't wait. <laughs> Get your tickets to IgerCon. 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 Star Wars has always been on the cutting edge of technology, so it's no surprise that ILM X-Lab is now using augmented reality to help in movie production. Uh, Rob Bordeaux, who was a visual effects supervisor on Solo and is now the head of ILM, told The Hollywood Reporter that they used virtual reality on the production of Solo, a Star Wars story. He said that when they were creating the scale for the train heist sequence, they wanted to get an accurate sense of what the scale of the train car needed to be. So they set up virtual trains and the uh, design supervisor, James Klein, put on a headset and he actually tried to jump himself onto the onto the train <laughs> and he adjusted it until he thought okay this, this is a challenging enough jump but not too challenging and then Klein went back and worked on the design that we all ended up seeing on screen so it seems like a lot of work for one small moment but I specifically remember that and I, it was a really nail nail biting yeah. scene did you guys get that sense from it too or I mean yeah. all that work for just that moment yeah I feel like there is that extra level of realism that you can you can uh, experience in the film mm-hmm. that it does it seems like the actors are so engaged with the space and I think everybody knowing the physical space more than like in the prequels days you see some of the behind the scenes footage where like people like Natalie Portman are like there's just a bunch of green balls mm-hmm. being thrown in my head you're joking right right and it feels like that integration you can feel it Mm-hmm. Yeah, the, that's a, that's an excellent point because the train sequence had that lived in feel, and you were so used to movie magic. But yeah, go to the prequels. I always say one of my least favorite moments is just this little moment where Mace Windu jumps off the uh, the the the, uh, the gunship there, the dropship, and steps onto clearly a blue screen or a green screen, and just kind of points off like we're gonna go there, <laughs> and it just looks like Sam Jackson's like okay. We're going to oh, no. go beyond the green screen, whatever that is. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah. Oh, whatever. And, and it doesn't feel lived in where everything mm. nowadays is. And so it's pretty fascinating that I guess as, as a performer, I'm not a great actor, but I guess if you if I was able to say put on a headset, look around and go, oh, here's what this is. Right. Uh, then I think you're going to you're going to be able to to plug into the scene even that much more. It's incredible, too. There was another video that that I saw where they can actually like build the world of what it's going to look like for the visual effects 
on, while you're on set and then actually like change like the different lighting and, and all this stuff. Yeah. I mean, it's incredible. I think it's going to help them be able to, to create things like the TV show a lot faster. Right. So that's pretty mm. exciting. They're doing amazing well, stuff. There you yeah. go. Yeah. You heard it from Jennifer here. Favreau series next month. Yeah. <laughs> He's making it on his iPad. That was when I was like, oh my gosh, I got to learn all this stuff because my daughter's going to know more than me. <laughs> so Queen's Shadow by E.K. Johnston is coming March 5th, 2019. And the author spoke with StarWars.com about what readers can expect from this Padme book. One of the things that got her excited about writing the novel is being able to dive into the relationships between the handmaidens and Padme. She sees the handmaidens as super smart girls who also happen to be super spies. Johnson also said that the timeline of the book is really compressed. And while she didn't say why, she did say that they will be getting, that we actually will be getting more Padme stories like in Thrawn, Alliances, and perhaps others. One of the neatest things about the book will be getting inside Padme's head and kind of understanding her perspective and political acumen as Johnson said, uh, since we don't really see that kind of played out in the movies as much. Uh, so this sounds like a, a very juicy book. Mm. And it's interesting that they gave her such a compressed timeline. Yeah. I kind of feel like we're in a Padme renaissance. <laughs> a Padme right? renaissance. Yes. Doesn't it seem like she's kind yes. of popping up everywhere? Absolutely. Yeah. Uh, the part of the E.K. Johnston uh, interview that I, I thought was was really intriguing was calling uh, Padme her doctor, making this oh, yes. a Doctor Who reference. And you know, a lot of people mm-hmm. have a relationship mm-hmm. to the first doctor they see regardless of like well if the uh the 11th doctor was the first one i saw i might technically like the 10th better but the 11th is my doctor that was mm. the one that introduced me to this world and i feel like that's a great uh nerd way to say like oh if you grew up seeing padme you have this specific affinity and connection to padme and you want to know more about her which i think is great right exactly yeah about halfway through at the time of this recording of the throne alliances uh-huh. uh and and enjoying it uh, and there's some great Padme stuff in there, but it made me um, hungry for this book even more mm. because I just think that we're going to get really inside Padme's head and really see. And I, I love this thing of it from E.K. Johnston of, hey, one of the great things about Padme is is a lot of stuff is going on inside of her. Exactly. And that can be, you can take that as maybe a comment on Portman and herself and the and especially in episode two and three, but you're going to lose a lot about that because it's it's political stuff, it's intrigue, it's all that stuff, and Lucas cut a lot out of it from Revenge of the Sith, yeah. so we didn't get to see the inner workings of Padme's own battle mm-hmm. with the essentially the Emperor down the line. You know, she was already kind of fighting him, and and, and I think um, we're going to be able to see that from the inside. And I love the compressed timeline. That's awesome. Mm. Yeah, give yeah. me a give me. I don't want a rambling novel. <laughs> well, yeah, that makes sense. That it'll be pretty quickly just. She, her transition from queen to senator, and that excites me too, because like, what other cool stories? Not just Padme, which is great, but like in that time frame, because right now the ten years between Phantom Menace and Attack of the Clones is kind of a dead time yeah. frame. Mm-hmm. So the thought that they want to do more t- storytelling in that time is really interesting. Yeah, yeah, that's that that's exciting too. Didn't think of it really in those specific terms. That ooh, they're looking at the ten years and going, yeah. what's there? What yeah. else is going on? Yeah, I'm, I kind of reminded me of Bloodline, actually, and how, how yeah. much I've really been enjoying Bloodline and balancing this kind of political aspect of it with also getting to know Leia and what she's thinking. Mm, I'm yeah. really excited about this like book. It. So the big rumor of the week comes from MakingStarWars.net, who is reporting that Jon Favreau's Star Wars live-action series, which takes place about three years after the Battle of Endor, is about the planet Mandalore. 
After the Empire falls, Mandalore falls into a state of turmoil. So according to Making Star Wars sources, the series is about restoring Mandalore to its former glory and how that affects the rest of the galaxy. So this is our main topic today. Yeah. We're gonna dive yeah. in because this was this has really been circling, circulating for a little bit. Well, yeah, yeah. Those uh, those that word those those sources those that that, that <laughs> word sources is always interesting. But I actually I, I believe this one wholeheartedly. Yeah. And I've heard some rumblings too, and it just makes sense. Favreau is a Star Wars fan. Mm-hmm. He yeah. is a he's a, a fanboy in the in the best of terms. <laughs> uh, that's dangerous sometimes. I, I, everything after George Lucas is fan fiction is something we've kind of talked about yeah. here before, Joseph. Um, but. You know, there's people that like Star Wars, and there seems like Favreau was like, "Oh, I had these stories before they even gave me the show." Right. Yeah, like these <laughs> right. are like his fan fiction from his college dorm room. It's yeah, like, yeah. I mean, there's some quote about like, "No, I already was working on these characters like, <laughs> yeah. in the yeah, RPG was. days." Yeah. Were you, yes. yeah, were you talking to Disney? No, no, yeah. I'm just writing these in my room. Yeah, <laughs> so, so exciting. Right. I think we're yeah. gonna dive in a little bit more, but some thesis statements here, Joseph. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> absolutely. Some thesis statements. Uh, do you want to jump into the main topic? Sure, sure. But I think before we do that, we should recommend. All our Four Center Audible Book of the Day. Yeah, wow. that's right. We are recommending the whole Aftermath trilogy. All, all three of them. All <laughs> of them. We always try to find uh, something that's kind of relating to what's going on in Star Wars or what we're talking about in the Aftermath trilogy is interesting for this because it's in the general same time frame. Certainly that idea of what is yeah. the state of the galaxy after the Empire collapses. That's what Favreau's show will generally be set in that time period. And in terms of what else is going on with Mandalorians, it's got the hints of what's happening to Boba Fett's armor, even though Boba Fett is not technically a Mandalorian (laughs) right now. (laughs) So we will talk more about that. But Aftermath. Absolutely. To download the Aftermath trilogy or any other book of your choice, go to uh, audibletrial.com slash force center to download your free audiobook today at audibletrial.com slash force center. Again, audibletrial.com slash force center for your free audiobook, and it directly helps the show. Another side side note. Yeah. Side note. If you guys had a chance to read the Darth Vader annual number two. Not no. yet. I saw your post about it. You were blown away by Mr. Written by Wendig. Oh, wow. Yes. I, and what's nice about it, if you're not caught up on the series, either of you or anyone listening, the new Darth Vader series, the Charles Soule-led series, you don't need to be. Oh, nice. It's just, just dive on in. It's just Darth Vader's very bad day. Oh, Darth Vader, <laughs> Krennic, oh, Geonosis. Nice. Ed Tarkin. It is some of the best Star Wars out there, and 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 Chuck Wendig, who takes a lot of heat sometimes, unwarranted heat, just nails this one as a writer. Nice, so mm. nice. Yeah. Highly recommend that too. Not caught up, but in fully caught up. But man, am I enjoying that series? It's that is great. a great one. It's a great. All right, side note, side note, side note. But we are going to be diving <laughs> into Mandalorian mania. That's right. This is a chance, Joseph, to talk about uh, the Mandalorians, the Mandos overall. Favreau series. We're going to do some speculating, some theorizing. And also just, uh, well, we did some research, so we're going to talk about uh, the Mandos like we're experts. At least I am. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Well, we'll, 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 I'll do some footnotes of like, Thank I you. think this, I think this. <laughs> yeah. uh, but I wanted to start by just talking uh, a little bit about Favreau's series and then diving deeper into what we know or want to know the old Mandalorians. Just to begin with, do we actually uh, believe these rumors? And I'm not questioning the actual reporting. Sure. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's being reported as a rumor. So do we believe these? Do we think Favreau's show is about Mandalorians, or does it maybe just feature some Mandalorian characters? What's what's our gut reaction? I've always been on the feature, but highly feature. Does that make yeah. sense? If it's just Mandalorians, 
uh, I was I was not worried, but like, okay, what is that series? And a lot of people go to for Alex at Star Wars Explained. Hey, it's like Game of Thrones because they got the clans and everything and, yeah. and the houses, mm-hmm. and we're going to talk about that. So that makes sense. But I absolutely believe what's what's being put out there that this is at least some of the focus. Okay, how about you, Jennifer? I think it's I think it is the focus. Uh, be, it reminds me of when we saw that red carpet interview where he where he was talking about what you guys said, where he's like, "Yeah, I've been thinking about these these stories for a long time. I've been writing them." So I I feel like as children, people loved Boba Fett, mm-hmm. my husband included. So I'm sure that he was probably a favorite yeah. of Favreau's. And then getting to play mm-hmm. a Mandalorian on the Clone Wars, I think it's just a natural, like, you know, way in. Yeah. If somebody were to say to me, what would you do? I'd be like, oh, yeah, I'll write about Jabba's Palace. That's what I love. <laughs> That's where I'm going <laughs> to, sure, you know, where yeah. I'm going to write. Right, right, so, right. Because uh, he played uh, pre-Vizsla, yes, right? Yes, he played okay, pre-Vizsla. Yes. So he is really, really in the pocket of this Mandalorian world, mm-hmm. maybe just from being a Boba Fett fan as a kid uh, and dreaming of getting the alleged Boba Fett with the rocket. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and then knowing it from actually doing the show. Yeah, I I tend to believe that it is going to be Mandalorian-centric. I don't know that it is going to just be, here's what's going on on Mandalore and mm-hmm. all the characters of Mandalorians and we never leave Mandalore because to me that doesn't track with somebody like Favreau, who's been imagining this forever. Right. Because I feel like, I, I bet maybe that's the central conflict, but is it like somebody from Mandalore who has to leave Mandalore with a pack of helpers to go mm. do something that will help Mandalore? I, that's I, that's that where my sense. mind goes as well. I think you and I are thinking the same thing here, is, is that it's a series of off to the left, here's the Mandalorians, is... is kind of interesting to me and it's not just about what I want obviously but like I'm interested in how the Republic is also being set up that's one of the best things about the Aftermath trilogy Mm. how so how do the two intertwine yeah yeah absolutely how how do you feel about this now I think it does help that uh, Favreau played pre-Vizsla but Dave Filoni so seems to be the keeper of the Mandalorian flame he told so many uh, stories with Lucas on the Clone Wars and then really ran with that by making Sabine a main character mm-hmm. and then even going back to Mandalore and really part of his Clone Wars reclamation project <laughs> in Rebels, kind of finishing some of those so threads. Uh, does it make sense that this would not be a Dave Filoni show, but rather Favreau would kind of take the flame of the Mandalorians and run with it? Yeah, I, 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 I think Dave's going to have a lot to do with the show. Okay. You know what I mean? I think, yeah, I I think, think so, this too. is where his little notebook... Well, not that he, I don't even know if Dave has, Dave, I've made that up, <laughs> but I imagine Filoni has a little notebook of Mandos and okay. that I, I think they will, they'll, he'll be involved with that. He's got resistance, Clone Wars, his plate's full, but Filoni's at that level where he's almost like George now, where mm-hmm. he's going to come in the room, give the ideas and other people are going to go do Float it. Float around to do it. Yeah. 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 Uh, but it's just, it's really interesting. And if that's true uh, and cool to think of like, the sharing and the cooperating. Because obviously it's not going to just be like Favreau's not a gun for right. hire where Filoni's like, here's my idea, you go do it, go do John. It. Yeah. This is going to be Favreau's up to a point. How do you feel about that relationship and that kind of creative connection? I, I really like it. And that's, I guess, one of the reasons why I suppose it wouldn't be a total you know, story about just Mandalore. I think it is going to be a little bit larger just because mm. it would feel kind of weird because Dave Filoni is so much associated with the Mandalorians. But maybe he could be like a mentor, like what what you guys are saying. Yeah. Kind of, you know, 
I don't think that Favreau is going to be like, tell, tell me everything, but I think he might, he might go to him and what do you think about this? And kind of, kind of the way that Dave Filoni, the relationship he had with George Lucas. Yeah. Now that will be transferred. Interesting. So do you feel like it's going to feature some of the characters that seem obvious? Uh, Mm -hmm. Do you think Bo-Katan is going to be there? Cause we left her off in rebels in charge of the dark saber, kind of in charge of the, the new direction of Mandalore at the beginning of the Galactic Civil War. This is obviously the end, so anything could have happened to Bo-Katan. Uh, we also have Sabine floating around, and she could be off looking for Ezra, so maybe she's just off the, the table. What do you think about other characters? I, I think those, I focus on those two specifically. I think Sabine's out in the sense of an, an adventure, just looking at the, the end of Rebels. But it would be hard. Now, I know you have a couple years have passed, right? Because yeah. Rebels ends before New Hope, obviously. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, and then that it picks up after, but not too much after Return of the Jedi uh, and all that kind of stuff. So you have some years to play with, but I know she just got, I know she just launched another show, but Katie Sackhoff, Bo-Katan, they kind of designed the character around her. You just got to change that haircut a little bit and you got Bo-Katan in live action yeah. form. Uh, it's still uh, with a great actress who a lot of people love. I would be hard pressed to imagine a show without her if you're doing Mandos in that time period. Yeah. How, what do you think, Jennifer? Do you think Katie Sackhoff is going to put on the armor in oh real my life? Gosh. I just got so excited when you were saying that. Mm-hmm. I could totally visualize it. I think that'd be a great way for people to 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 get into this series if they're unsure about it. I, I think that, oh, that'd be fantastic to see Katie Sackhoff. Yeah. as our character. Yeah. It would bring a lot so of different fantastic. fans. Battlestar, my exactly. dad would be like, uh, Longmire? Okay. Yeah, right, <laughs> Let's watch right. it. Oh, yeah, and yeah. Battlestar. Actually, I gotta get my dad to big Battlestar fan, too. But, like, yeah, I mean, people know her in this in this pop culture geek world. Yeah, she's I mean? been on Flash yeah. the last yeah. season. So, yeah, right. yeah, she's been everywhere, everywhere. Uh, let's talk about the bounty hunter in the room. We can talk about him more. <laughs> but in any chance of Boba Fett oh, uh, appearing... Now, uh, yeah, we have to we have to tread carefully because every time we talk about Boba Fett, people, I am a big Boba Fett fan. You're a nobody, big Boba nobody, Fett fan. nobody, nobody like tweet, tweet us that nobody tweet at Force Center that you don't like Boba Fett because I like Boba Fett. Yes, I'm getting cranky already about this. <laughs> yes, uh, and, uh, I, well, yeah, I like him. I just don't like him as much yes. as I used to. Me too. Yes. But Joseph is carrying the Boba Fett flag. He's In got the, a Mando tattoo. He's got a fat tattoo. Do you really? It's, no. Oh, <laughs> I was like, wait, what? Uh, I knew we were going to talk about this, so I put on a temporary tattoo. Yeah. Okay. I have a different Star Wars temporary tattoo every episode of record. <laughs> Based on where your allegiance lies. Yeah, and I cover it up. It's it's a weird thing. Yeah. It's my process. It's a thing. Uh, you brought up, I think, insightfully, Jennifer, John Favreau is the perfect age to think Boba Fett is the coolest thing about Star Wars. <laughs> yes. So he's got this opportunity how could he, if they let him, how could he leave Boba Fett on the field? I think of my husband, who would be like, yeah, let's bring Boba Fett. Let's do it. I mean, even if it's like a small cameo, I think, it. come on. You know, you have this 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 playing field. Why yeah. not just go for it? If, if the, I think the answer of if, if Boba Fett survives the Sarlacc is going to come someday. It has Lucas. to, right? <laughs> yeah. It can't be just unanswered forever. Right. And I know, you know, in the Aftermath series, it's played with so wonderfully. It's the interludes, the Cobb Vanth character, this dusty town sheriff who wears the Boba Fett armor because he found it yeah. um, in, in a junk pile, a uh, swap meet, so to speak, left over. They play around with it, but you could argue... You know, uh, Wendig also put some stuff in there that made me think Phasma was a kid from Jakku, and that wasn't that didn't play out. Yeah. You know, so 
all right, you can toss some of that out, but it's just perfect time. And the idea of maybe Boba Fett, and here's what I do like, Boba Fett maybe trying to show up and I'm a Mandalorian, and they're like, no, you're not. <laughs> Your dad stole the stuff. Maybe he learned something about his past. Yeah. Maybe he did a corporate. But did it could he? Be yeah. Because, yeah. Uh, yeah. All we know about Django and Boba is that Olmec, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, the Mandalorian says that Django just stole the armor. Right. But as we all know people lie. Characters lie. Right. The, all we have is the word of Olmec and the general <laughs> wishes of George Lucas. But I feel like this is something that mm, yeah. the, the new. Uh, Creators might go like, yeah, let's let's play with this. The Just word like, of all you, back. I'll tell you what, it'd be a great way to kind of float that character. And if fans really love Boba Fett and the actor that plays him, mm-hmm. they might say, hey, let's green light a Boba Fett picture after all. Yeah. It's a yeah. nice kind of safe way which yeah. to test it. And that's a way to get like Daniel Logan in the armor. Exactly. Absolutely. There you go. I'm all for that. Yeah, because I, I would love to see him play the role, but we just don't know. And as an actor, he hasn't done much since. So we don't know. He mm-hmm. could have been playing as a kid and, and maybe he, his acting chops aren't as strong as others. I don't know. I don't want to comment on it because he seems like a great dude who loves Star Wars and he wants to do the role. But a, a, a TV series, it's, it's a little less pressure yes. than a Star Wars movie. <laughs> There's a great opportunity. Bring him in. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. Or Don Beast, the guy with the mustache who played yes. him in the, for the special yes. edition, right? <laughs> Weird I'm, Al. I'm Boba Fett. <laughs> we want Daniel Logan. All right. So we, we talked a little bit about questioning whether or not, even if it is a Mandalore focus, if it is all just on Mandalore, how do you think uh, there could be a sense of variety and where do you think like the uh, the villains might be? Because it could just be more of the back and forth between the Mandalorian clans, like we have seen a lot of. Uh, the Empire's gone mm-hmm. for them and right. run away to the unknown regions, the remnants. Right. So who are the antagonists? How do you get the variety in and who are the antagonists? I think, and I'm not in new territory here. Again, Alex from Star Wars Explained, and, and Molly, I think, on their on their new Patreon-only podcast they're developing, we're talking about, again, the Game of Thrones connection, the battle for the throne. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And right. you have all these houses and these clans within the houses, and they all kind of control their own little planets. It's its own little territory. It's been able to be set off to the side uh, in the Star Wars story. So if Bo-Katan's in charge, that's the, the Mandalorians. It's They're like Targaryens. They have civil wars every 500 years, yeah. uh, every 50 years, if you want. So you could have Bo-Katan going, all right, I'm in charge. My sister wanted some sort of return or, or, or an introduction of normalcy. We're not going to be warlike all the time. Uh, a little peace. I'm going to go with that. And then, you know, Clan Saxon arrives. And no, yeah. But, does that get tiresome is my I question. Think that, I think that's I think a big race. question of like where, then where do you get that sort of a flavor of Star Wars variety? And, and Favreau has already kind of hinted at, like I got all these characters. Mm-hmm. You can't be like, are they all? Yeah. I mean, that could be an interesting show, but for the very first live Star Wars show, I would think that would want to have a little bit more of classic Star Wars flavor of a variety of characters from a variety of worlds and places. I think it would come from like what the making Star Wars rumor is, which is that Mandalore is trying to, you know, get back to his former glory. Mm -hmm. But how does that affect the rest of the galaxy? Who, who in the galaxy does not want that tries to squash, you know, their, their, um, what they're trying to do or tries to come in and take over Mandalore. And so I Mm. think that there could be a lot of other species and planets and whatnot that, that get involved, get in their business, so yeah. to speak. 
And, and that could be one way maybe to do it. brand new because you start to yes. run down the list of like, oh, well, could Maul come back? Could Jabba come? Oh, all dead. Right. right. Like this is kind of uncharted territory because a lot of our old familiars are just not around to be antagonists. You can't right. go to the well. And there's something intriguing to me is as the new Republic is forming and Mon Mothma and all these folks and Leia are putting this together. And I, you know, the question of do we see Leia, Han, and Luke cast and see that? I just don't think you can cross that. Barry, it'd be it'd be, it'd be it'd be it'd be a weird thing. Sebastian Stan can only play so many characters, <laughs> <laughs> but I'm intrigued by we're building this new thing. Someone says, "Hey, the Mandalorians are out there. We should pull them in." And one person saying, "No, they're warriors. They'll fight us. That's our new enemy." And then you have kind of this inter you know you know this integration of you know. Does people in Mandalore want to stay isolationists? Mm. Does Bo-Katan say, no, we need to go, we need to join whatever they're doing. We need to help their peaceful process. You know, like that kind of thing. And yeah. that's interesting to me too, because then it's what you're talking about. Because uh, I just, as you were saying that, Joseph, here I am in my brain watching the first episode. Star Wars, live action, the first show. And it's only on Mandalore. Yes. <laughs> and there's greatly, great, deep, intriguing politics, but it is Mandalorian yeah. boardroom, you know? <laughs> yeah. And somebody gets, uh, their honor is insulted. And how yeah. comes it, you know, uh, it could be yeah. great. It could, I'm, I'm now thinking here, and you guys talk like, what if uh, Mandalore as a planet are the antagonists? What if yeah. enough of the, the regime says, you know what? We have been pushed around through all of these wars, and uh, nice try, Satine. Yeah. But wait, the, you know, our conflict with the Jedi thousands of years ago was because we were imperialists. We were taking mm-hmm. over the galaxy. So what if it was Mandalore just saying, like, no, actually, uh, we're going to run yeah. right. the galaxy. All of Mandalore is going to run the whole. That's nice with your little new republic, but we've yeah. had it. We got we got this. We're going <laughs> to run the. And then, you know, it'd be the. Then you'd get that flavor of rebels if it's like a couple of Mandalores with mm. all the other cool, exotic alien pals. I like that. Yeah. That would be fascinating. All right, so that's a little bit uh, specific, some of the real specific questions about Favreau's possible Mandalorian show, but let's dig a little deeper into the actual Mandalorians. I looked this up because I wanted to give credit to the Legends fans. Mm -hmm. You know, people who love the Mandalorians in Legends have mixed feelings about how they got developed, uh, mostly in the Clone Wars, and I think the big difference is, uh, I looked this up straight from Wikipedia, the Mandalorians were a nomadic group of clan-based people consisting of members from multiple species and multiple genders, all bound by a common culture. So they took a lot of the the same culture, the same history of the war with the Jedi that was in Legends, Mm. and made that official canon, but lost this idea that it was not as much about a planet, but it was much more about nomadic, and it was much more about, like, you choose to wear the armor you choose to have the values and mm. you could, uh, mm-hmm. you, there could be a Chadra fan who's, <laughs> right. who's a Mandalorian. Mm. Uh, so I, I wanted to give a, a shout out to that to say that, you know, we, we're aware of that because I think some people who are old, old school Mandalorian fans mm. might listen to a podcast like this and say, acknowledge, yeah. acknowledge the past, acknowledge mm-hmm. the legacy. Mm-hmm. Um, so with that acknowledged, I wanted to just start with, uh, what, are our, what are our feelings about the Mandalorians? Do we have strong feelings about them going going back into our Star Wars history, or is it kind of new? Mm. I always I always liked them. I always liked this that idea of what I thought the Mandalorians were, which was like a, a culture, basically. And, and so, uh, yeah, I was like, wait, what? In fact, my husband and I had an argument yesterday because he was still <laughs> thinking about the, the legend side of it. Oh, really? Yeah, and he was like coming at me. I'm like, dude, 
I know what I'm talking about. You know, Django and Boba Fett are not Mandalorians. They're just wearing the armor. And he's like, ah. he's like, I'm going to look it up. So he looks it up and he's like, no, it says right here. I'm like, are you on Wikipedia or Wikipedia? He's like, oh, I'm on Wikipedia. I said, well, go to Wikipedia. Go to Wikipedia. He's like, no, it says right here. I'm like, are you on the Legends tab or on the Canon tab? And he's like, oh, I didn't know. I'm like, I don't have time for this to educate you. At, at, what, at what point did you yell, I'm Jennifer Landa of Force Center. You listen to me. I was like, oh my gosh, this is too funny. But he was so adamant. I'm like, dude, you're yeah. like living in the past. <laughs> I get it. I was there too. It's like your grandpa at a family uh, reunion. This is this is what would be good about the Mandalorian show. You're you're mm. pitching it. <laughs> a close relationship being torn asunder by different <laughs> views of the past. <laughs> oh, so funny. Yeah, I could see how it would be confusing and how, you know, casual Star Wars fans just mm-hmm. have not been. I was like, didn't you watch the prequels? He's like, yeah, I don't remember. I'm like, well, okay, <laughs> there you go. Can't help you. How, how are your feelings? Uh, and did you fight with your partner about uh, the Mandalorians recently? No, 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 not at all. Um, <laughs> the only thing, we've we we not fought about Star Wars at all, uh, other than I had to explain that Solo was not before Phantom Menace because Darth Maul was there, but because uh, mm. that was her favorite character, but she had, was not aware that he lived. Like, just didn't watch the other stuff. Understandable. Right. um, Which is another conversation about uh, some of the things going on in Lucasfilm. Um, As far as Mandalorians, I have been, I don't want to say dismissive in the sense of, uh, in a negative sense. I've just overlooked them. And sometimes you guys might hear me say, ah, legends, Yuzon Vong, stupid, 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 chewy with the moon. There is a lot of things. (laughs) (laughs) uh, There's a lot of things in legends that I do look at and go, wow, Thanks for uh, to all the authors and all the people behind Legends and fans of Legends. Thanks for keeping some of that stuff alive or fleshing it out. Because I would check back in every now and then. And the Mandalorians is one of those things. I think what you see at conventions and the Mando Mercs and all these people that comes from a love of this Legends version of Mandal of the Mandalorians and Mandalore and the whole culture. Mm-hmm. And that's interesting to me. So uh, I've had this kind of maybe not dismissive. That's not a distant. A relationship with the Mandalorians, much like I think the Star Wars galaxy. Hmm. Yeah, it's off there. I'm not sure of it. It confuses me. <laughs> Filoni put it all out in front of us, and I and here's the thing. This is why I do like them. Every time they pop up, that stuff with Sabine and her family and her mother and her yeah. brother yeah. was some of my favorite stuff of Rebels. So I like it. Like I like it. I want to know more, and this is why the series does intrigue me. Yeah. Yeah, that's awesome. I, I am fascinated by them both in world in their their current canon version and all their stories. We'll talk a little bit more about that. But I'm just from a real world perspective fascinated that Boba Fett was designed and he looked cool as hell and Mandalorian was, you know, thrown around in production and different ideas of what that might mean. But, mm-hmm. you know, from the audience's perspective, just super cool looking bad guy who, who tracks down Han Solo and then out of one guy with cool armor, <laughs> <Right>. this <laughs> entire culture. And then you get all the way around to the snake eating its own tail. Like, yeah, but the guy who started this, he's not one of them. He's right, not, I know. It's like, it's so beautifully, yeah. like strangely organic. It's so George Lucas in a lot of ways. Like, really you know how cool Boba Fett is? What if there are a whole people of Boba Fett? Yes, George says, but Boba Fett's not one. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <What? laughs> it's so beautiful and weird. And then to add Django to it and yeah, all right. of it. And, and I just, I love that it is this whole fascinating culture and i want to talk about that a little bit i think they're not entirely alone in star wars but i think they're pretty unique in that they feel like a a race more 
or a species or a culture that more from Star Trek. Mm, mm-hmm. Because Star Trek would mm. always take time to develop the real sociocultural history of the different species, particularly once you get into Next Generation and Deep Space Nine, and it is all about who are the Cardassians, mm. who are the Bajorans, what is their history, why do they care? Uh, and the the Mandalorians get compared to Klingons and all that. Yep. Um, and George was always interested in that. I remember like on the Revenge of the Sith DVD, he's talking about like, well, if you lived in a sinkhole like the Pounds do on Utapau, what would your culture be? Like, he's really interested in that, He's mm-hmm. making these fast movies that don't truly have time to develop it. Yeah. Right. And I feel like you get a little bit with the Twi'leks or the Wookiees, but the Mandalorians are the ones where Clone Wars, Rebels, we just double down and learn so much more about their culture mm. and their history than other groups in the galaxy. Mm-hmm. Uh, do you like that? Is that what sets the Mandalorians apart, that they are a little bit more they have a little bit more of a Star Trek fully fleshed out sociocultural flavor. Hmm. I, I like that. And I like, uh, I've heard the Klingon connection before, but to hear you really break it down into this, the separate, again, we talk about them being off to the left, and off to the side, but just like, they're not because there's some, you know, I was watching Clone Wars the other day and that one planet where they're all Scottish. <laughs> uh, we want to fight. Yeah, that's the worst Scottish accent in the world. Uh, we are peaceful. Um, uh, the Lerman. I the believe. Lerman. Thank yeah. you. Great episode because Ayla Secure's in it and, yeah. and all the stuff. But it just seems like they're they're silly, silly little natives off to the side and it's really dismissive. And But they teach a lesson and it's like you couldn't base anything around that, you yeah. know. Different with the Mandalorians, it's just—they're proudly like we are our own world, and that is different to Star Wars. And that's why it's—it maybe again why I remain distant. Yeah. I got rebels, I got Imperials, I got this, I got that, and then you guys are out there. I don't know what you're doing. You're fighting with yourselves. I don't know, but it's—but <laughs> they have this code and this honors and these these this organization. There's there's a lot to mine there. Yeah, this massive history. How do you feel about it, Jennifer? Yeah, I love that. That to me is like like you're saying, Ken. You can sometimes with some of these these species and and cultures, you're like oh, they're they're kind of silly. But with specifically with the Clone Wars and what Dave Filoni did was he there's there's a level of respect and care that is put into developing the Mandalorians. And even though I'm still a little confused mm-hmm. about <laughs> what 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 is what. But um, I like that. I, mm-hmm. I want us to get more of that where we can really learn more about the cultures and there is that, that level of care and detail yeah. into their traditions and, and their perspectives and things like that. Just yeah. makes the world that much richer and more real. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I, I think that it, the reality of it is what is powerful because they are not one note. They they mm-hmm. do have this history of war and they do have these this organization and the various ideas of honor but also like really respecting art and to see like sabine's more mm. uh, peaceful father who expresses himself through art and he's like that's a part of their culture too right and then i think what is uh difficult about remembering everything that has happened is it's just the mandalorian's history is a little bit more real world Mm. It's like when you, if you actually just, you know, went on Wikipedia and like, all right, what was the war of 1812 really about? It's like, mm-hmm. it's not about one simple thing. It's like right. convoluted. And that's the way the whole history of the Mandalorians is. Yeah. is it, everything makes sense. Everything tracks, but it is constantly shifting sides and allegiances and trying to hold on to your values, but then question your values. So you fight this person, but then you join with them and it's, it's it, twisty and turny in real life. In doing research just this morning, looking on Wikipedia, Jennifer. <laughs> <laughs> on all tabs on all tabs but okay. mostly the canon you're so right it, there's a through line and you see what's going on but it does 
It's like when I study Game of Thrones history. Yes, I study it. Um, you get confused. Some I get. I was getting confused in a good way because it made me want to know it. Yeah, it makes me want a history of Mandalorian textbook written by George Lucas or yeah. you know uh, described uh, talk, talked about by George. Um, Dictate is the word I'm looking for. I'm smart. Um, I, I'm intrigued by it all. I, I'm intrigued by it all, but it, it's definitely it's it's uh, it's vast, and that's what I like. Yeah. Yeah, it's as vast as Filoni's cowboy hat. <laughs> <laughs> we live in the shadow of that cowboy hat. Uh, do you want other cultures to be as fleshed out? And, and again, I'm not saying like any any of the other cultures aren't fleshed out. Like the Trandoshans, we know that they are hunters. Right, right. You know, they, there's that great uh, Trandoshan hunt uh, episode. Yeah. Um, but but other other groups aren't as fleshed out as Mandalore. Do you want that to kind of remain Mandalorian's, Mandalorian's distinctness, or do you think even more Outside groups should of, be fleshed out? I'm trying to think because it's, it's very different. It's very different because I was gonna I was gonna answer the huts, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. The huts right. and the hut culture, the hut hut code of honor, and they have kind of their own planet in a set. You know, like they're yeah. they're over there, but it, they're very integrated into the Star Wars story. Yeah. Right. Where the Mandalorians aren't, they're they're even in story whispered about, you know, oh, the crazy warlike Mandalorians. So you know the Chiss come up, and we're starting to get more with them. Yeah, but even that doesn't feel part of the regular Star Wars story like Mandalorians. I, I might, I'm even thinking of uh, struggling to come up with an answer. Yeah, yeah. that's a good uh, of, of to the level that you're talking yeah. about of, I, of a separate culture. I, yeah, I think it, maybe it is in the nature of the storytelling because we do know a, a lot about. Twilight culture, but mm-hmm. almost all yeah. of it we are learning in direct reaction to the major strokes of the stories. It's almost all of it comes from knowing about Cam Syndulla in the Clone Wars and right. then Hera in the Rebellion, mm-hmm. uh, whereas, mm-hmm. yeah, mandalore has got its own story. And Ula, always Ula. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Ula, Ula, our introduction <laughs> to Twilight. Yeah, that's a good question. I, I can't think of anybody either. I think of, mm-hmm. which is not like, they're not really a culture, but I think of the Cloud Riders, which mm-hmm. they're an interesting group. Yeah. Group, yeah. So maybe stuff but, like that. But even it, you know what I was thinking, because you were just talking, so it made me think about it. Ewoks. Oh, yes, uh, of course. I mean, they come into the Star Wars story, but prior to that moment, yeah, the Empire was there with these little teddy bears and these these scary uh, natives hunting them at night. Um <laughs> But you know what I mean? You don't get much more before, and we don't know much after, but they have a a way of life. And I've learned a lot from the cartoon, watching right. it with my daughter, more about their culture. Right. And, awesome. Yeah, it's really quite fascinating, actually. Um, yeah. But I wish that they would now do new stuff yeah. <laughs> with new canon. <laughs> Hashtag rise of Chief Chirpa. Yes. Come on. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Jennifer wants that. Uh, yeah. Canon tab on the Ewoks <laughs> Wikipedia page all That's filled right. out. Look at this. All right, let's talk about the Klingon comparison because it mm. does happen and I do think that there is some validity to it uh, yeah. and you know back in the day there was talk of a Klingon spinoff mm. in kind of the next mm. generation Deep Space Nine era uh, well we might have that opportunity now oh yeah I mean <laughs> there, everything everything's gonna get its spinoff um, the Romulans will get their own show everybody everybody gets a show Ferengis are gonna have a reality TV show I'm sure um, do you feel like I don't know what your your we've all talked about Star Trek, but I don't know what your like level of attachment to the Klingons is or, or knowledge. Do you feel like the Mandalorians are too similar, mm, or that a Mandalorian show has the same pitfalls that a Klingon show would be? That it's all uh, interior fighting, all clan, all honor. Yeah, I, I have a healthy appreciation and respect for Star Trek, and and I've seen everything 
about it, you know, movie-wise particularly. Yeah. And I love Next Generation, actually. Uh, I think Q's one of the better characters ever in sci-fi. But nice. um, I think it could be similar if I look at Star Trek VI. Oh, yeah. My favorite Star Trek movie. Uh, and I, I love that because it is post-Cold War. You know, it's just kind of like for, for us in real time um, uh, when it ended for the brief time um, um, <laughs> that uh, what's interesting is the Klingons and, you know, the humans having to now find a way to, to integrate, to work together. Look who's coming to, for dinner, you know, this yeah. thing. That's where I go to the Mandalorian show, again, would be more interesting of the of, of Genevieve O'Reilly as Mon Mothma going, hey, we got to invite them to our table, too. Oh, yeah. I like that. And so looking at the Klingons, that's what's intriguing. Otherwise, the you know, Worf's great. It's all good, but I don't know much about them, you know. Yeah. But that's also don't. If Scott Mance is here or Jason Inman, <laughs> we have a, a different conversation about yeah, it. Yeah, yeah. Mm. How about you, Jennifer? Yeah, I don't know Star Trek that well. I'm a very, very casual fan. I like it, but I don't know too much about the Klingon culture to be able to say whether or not it is. Like, how would you say that they are so similar because they're warriors? I, I think that there's a warrior. Yeah, that, yeah, well, that there is an appreciation of aggression. There, that there's the idea <laughs> that that is. <laughs> On a t-shirt, that appreciation of aggression, <laughs> but that, that is that there's honor in fighting. Mm-hmm. Uh, but mm-hmm. but uh, I think one of the interesting things that that the Mandalorians wrestle with is there is there like Sabine has an honor in fighting when she's truly fighting for something. Right. But it mm-hmm. seems like Death Watch believes like that is the way that you do interact. We are superior, and we need to show that mm-hmm. at all times by conquering and right. to, to subdue that too much isn't our culture. So how do we get along with other cultures when we feel like? We need to show dominance. Mm-hmm. Like that's you know been a part of the Klingon story on and off. They they are divided into houses, and there's that uh, you know that kind of uh, dynamic too, where mm-hmm. your house could betray another house, or your house could fall in stature. Mm, I see. And I see. it is it is a part of the the Game of Thrones. It, it lends itself quickly to narrative traps, mm-hmm. and I think it's why people have always been afraid of a Klingon show, and why some people might be afraid of a Mandalorian show because. If you go with that premise and you're not clever, you don't find new ways to do it, then you can very quickly think like every show is mm. house, you know, yeah. angry gets mad at house cranky <laughs> and they say some things about honor and they throw some goblets and they fight. And right. here we go again. Right. So how do you get out of this circle of what if the, if that is the culture, then how do these characters escape that circle narratively? Yeah. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, and, and and what I think a lot of times works in Game of Thrones because it is house cranky versus house angry uh, <laughs> is is there's a threat from the outside that's right. over the whole show, right? And so, it brings out something different, yeah. and it yeah yeah and uh yeah and I it, unless people think I'm, I'm painting with too broad of a brush for Mandalorians, I think they told these stories in really interesting in different ways in Clone mm-hmm. Wars and Rebels, having yeah having this strong perspective from Satine that a piece can happen now and we don't need to let go of our honor and all that. I think mm. they've already found some ways around those yeah. Uh, yeah, narrative traps right. and bumps. What about, what about, I haven't read the Phasma book. What, what is her culture? Is her culture similar to the Mandalorians or no? It has a little bit of that honor in that real sense of tradition, but it's just people desperately trying to survive I yeah. see. in okay. a destroyed world. It's not this rich tapestry of history. Yeah, because at one point it was more of an industrial, normal yeah, society, and it just right? Yeah, got destroyed, and they barely understand yeah, or know what the tech is. I yeah. see. Okay. Yeah. 
Yeah, yeah. It's def- it. but it's definitely one of those completely different out there, which is why that book is is so different and and, and so good in being so different. Uh, but took me a while to get in because it just didn't seem like regular Star Wars. Mm. But that's a difference where I think the Mandalorians could feel like Star Wars because we got spaceships, we got blasters, we got Boba Fett's armor. Yeah. Um, I see. Yeah. Yeah, we got jetpacks. It's Star Wars if it's got jetpacks. I want to talk a little bit about uh, how to handle some of the ideas of the Mandalorians. There's the idea of honor. There's the idea of sort of uh, aggression and obviously with Satine and Mm -hmm. Sabine up to a point, pacifism. How do you think all of those themes, the way they're expressed in the Mandalorians, how they fit in the overall idea of Star Wars? been talking about the Mandalorians as kind of having their own separate world, yeah. uh, literally separate space territory, because they actually have territories, um, yeah. that's separate from the main Star Wars story, but still, these this is still the galaxy that George Lucas created for 12-year-olds to teach mm-hmm. lessons about when to fight, when not to fight, all that. H- how do you think the Mandalorians have or could have those themes make sense in Star Wars? I think it's it's how this this... Outside, we'll say an outside culture, just what they are again, just off to the left idea of Mandalore, of how they interact and how, what they bring in, and 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 that's what's that's what's interesting to me is is Duchess Satine, a new leader, uh, I'll say a younger leader maybe compared to some of the others, uh, a female leader compared mm-hmm. to Fen Rao and Gar Saxon and all these these kind of uh, typical male leader to character types that that. We know the culture. You even said it in Legends. It, it's it's very balanced. It would seem, and, and, and Sabine's mom mom is a leader as well. But Duchess Sabine to me represents this new breed of leader for this culture. Yeah, and that's where George could maybe look at. at, at it, it seems to line up with some of George's thinking of mm-hmm. of yeah. You you know we got the battle of good and evil, and, and but evil 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 emerges when maybe some good people do some bad things or make yeah. some bad choices and. And Duchess Satine's maybe say, no, we I love everything about our culture, except for that you guys always want to kill everybody. <laughs> yeah, that's not a sustainable that's, culture. Yeah, yeah, let's try something different. I, I, I think George would definitely, and probably was behind that. Yeah, yeah. What yeah. about you, Jennifer? I think for this for this new show, potentially, it could be that just like Duchess Satine, mm-hmm. wanting to you know maintain that honor, being pacifist, and then you have a group, like Death Watch, that wants to use violence. And so it's like, how do, you know, what is restoring Mandalore back to its old glory? Does that does that go back to them being the warriors and and constantly fighting with the Jedi, or does that mean back when Duchess Satine, you know, wanted to have pacifism? So I don't know. It's interesting. I think that I think if you had both, it's a good way to to honor, <laughs> to make it kid friendly a little right. bit because yeah. you can't you can't have it just be all about violence. It can't just no. be. Yeah, Star Wars is pretty good at getting away with violence, but yeah, but, but you know but what yeah, I mean. But yeah, like even even in the like, recent IgerCon, he he confirmed that the streaming service was going to be PG thirteen, right? Right. So this isn't going to be suddenly. We're not these, getting our you know, Yeah, this is not going to be like the DC streaming service where like the the first trailer is somebody going to be saying "F Boba Fett." Right. <laughs> exactly. So you have to have you have yeah. to have that balance. Um, yeah, I think that's that's really interesting. Dan, going back to your, I think I think you said it earlier, Justin, but this idea that maybe the series has to do with like someone wanting to take over. The galaxy. Hey, the galaxy is weak right now. Mm-hmm. The Empire's gone. We knew about the Empire. We worked with the Empire or fought the Empire in our own way. Yeah. But now it's our time. And other people say, no, it's our time to join, not take over. That's, that is interesting to me. That is really compelling. We don't, I don't necessarily see it as becoming the Mandalorian Wars uh, because I think there would need to be more references in, in current canon, but 
then again, that hasn't stopped them before. Yeah, that's so, true. Uh, maybe we get a year of Mandalorian Wars. I don't know. That might be, that would be, it is still called Star Wars, so that it would be uh, pretty cool. Yeah, I think there's these really juicy, interesting ideas that do dovetail with lots of Star Wars themes about, you know, one of my favorite things is art knowing that they've already lost so much, that mm-hmm. history of the planet being decimated somehow at the end of the Jedi War, and so they yeah. live in these bubbles. So, like, you're you're living on scar tissue. Yeah. That's your home planet. And then and then having the perspective of we well, we've been batted around by everybody else's wars yeah for decades so maybe yeah. it maybe you it maybe it would be one of those great game of thrones things where you're like you're both setting out to do not great things but we can see your perspective of like yeah. well maybe we do need to have uh, more control over our sector of the galaxy so mm. we're we're not going to join but then at the same time look at where all of our aggression has led us to the past it's only right. in that classic star wars way hurt ourselves mm. yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah yeah I think that'd be some really interesting stuff. Uh, do you have favorite stories from Clone Wars and Rebels about the Mandalorians? Yeah, I love uh, Bo-Katan's return in Rebels. Uh, you know, uh, I do like that character a lot. And, and, and Sabine, I, I grew to love a lot. I think they really finally took the time to develop that character in season three. Yeah. Before she was just, I, I thought, just a, a cool you know, different colored haired artist type and, and they didn't really get a chance to dive in and through season three, she became this fully formed character too, yeah. with this history and all this kind of stuff. And I'm sure Dave had that planned out, you know, it seems like rebels was really planned out, but I love that because it was her becoming who she was born to be a little bit. And the whole, I love the dark saber stuff. Yeah. Love the history of it. But then I like that now it's no, this is for you, Bo-Katan. This is, this is, and I like that weird, Bo-Katan passed the torch, but then the torch was handed right back to her, and it was right, and it worked. Yeah. I actually thought it was really emotional stuff, and it was really good. I cool. like a lot of that Sabine stuff. How about yeah. you, Jennifer? Yeah, and I and I don't I did not watch very much of Rebels, but the things that I did watch, I liked that arc or that relationship between Sabine and her father mm-hmm. and Sabine and her brother, like you guys were talking about. This this appreciation of art and having honor for your culture. I thought that was really fascinating. That mm-hmm. I wanted to see more of that. Perhaps if I had watched the show, I would have seen more <laughs> of that. And it, but it's, it's got great mother-daughter stuff, which mm. we, oh, we yeah, know Star right. Wars, you know, sometimes we want more of. I and, forgot and about that, that. That was pretty strong. Yeah. 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 I think that stuff is all great. I love the Darksaber, mm-hmm. uh, sort of tracking through all of it. I, and I, yeah. I really love Satine's story because I think it is an important mm. one to kind of offset all the stories that we have in Star Wars of somebody's fall to have somebody being really proactive of like, mm. we can still have honor and peace at the same time you know that those things don't have to be mutually exclusive i think is really powerful Mm. and honestly that forces of destiny short with sabine Mm. where the imperials have in her brother uh and the imperials have set up a base in the statue of tar vizsla yeah who is the mandalorian jedi who made the dark saber and that to me is like that's a great uh, uh collection of a lot of these ideas of like we have honor. That statue means something to us in terms of just an artifact. As mm-hmm. art, it means something to us in what it means, and you can't defile it by being here. Right. Yeah. So yeah. we are going to attack. It's like, well, great. You're, you're fighting. It's aggression, but it's aggression truly to defend what you believe in and yeah. who you are. That yeah. was a great episode. I forgot about that one. A lot of cool stuff in, in, in all episodes and seasons of Forces of, De- uh, Forces of Destiny. Yeah. So I want to talk a little bit uh, about the future. Which of the possible Mandalorian stories that we that could be told 
because uh, this obviously could new show could dredge up history. What kind of stuff are you interested in hearing about? Do you want to know about that ancient Jedi war? Uh, do you want to know about how Django and Boba got their armor? Do you want that finally addressed and put to bed? That's the comedy picture that we're waiting. How Django got his armor? How Django got his armor? Uh, we got that history of uh, Tar Vizsla and his dark saber, uh, the, the Rally Master armor and Dryden Voss's oh yeah uh, office. Right. All sorts of little touches of Mandalore uh, throughout Star Wars canon that could be fully brought to life. Just, uh, this is just in general, right? You're asking in general, yeah. not just the series. In general, yeah. or maybe in the series, you because if it, if it does, you know, uh, look back as well as forward. I'd, I'd love to, I'm intrigued by the Jedi Mandalorian Wars, because, in, in just even just reading this morning, that the idea that the Mandalorians kind of developed their armor tech to defeat the Jedi. Yeah. Like, who are these space wizards? <laughs> They're do- we're going to fly around yeah. to defeat the space wizards. Oh, do you push me over? I'm going to push you over yeah. with my little wrist thing. Mm-hmm. Right. And I've always been intrigued by, again, not Mandalorian, but the moment where Boba Fett kind of defeats Luke a little bit. He, he wraps him up in a cord. Yep. And Luke's not <laughs> thinking about it. And it does a little bit end to Boba Fett. It, yeah, I think Boba Fett got cocky. He got yeah. careless. <laughs> but I like that moment. I love that moment. You know, yeah. where, where Luke, the super, the super space wizard, the super knight is suddenly trapped by Boba Fett. So yeah. I, I'm intrigued by how that all came to came to be. Yeah, and Django definitely does put Obi Wan through spaces. True. Oh God. Yeah. 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 Uh, how about you, Jennifer? Is there any of this history that you're excited about? I would love to see the ancient Jedi versus the Mandalorians because I number one, I want to see just Jedi in, in this TV series, but uh, but mainly because I want to take the Mandalorian perspective. I want to I want to kind of take their side. And see maybe why the Jedi are, are not doing something that's good, and mm. and getting yeah, that yeah. kind of more modern storytelling of oh yeah okay yeah the good guys are good but they might be doing bad things and and how do we feel about that and so yeah I think that could be really interesting yeah I would be thrilled to hear that I also do maybe not Django I think the more uh, we're talking I want Boba in yeah. in the uh, Mandalorian series or acknowledged. Because all the research yeah. I did, the they talked about in the various uh, Wikipedia pages, and I think somewhere on StarWars.com too, about how much Boba Fett during the Galactic Civil War is the vision of Mandalorians. Mm-hmm. Because he's the one flying around in the armor. Mm. Yeah. And that could be really interesting to see if people are like, we're not bounty hunters. That's right. not our code. Yeah, mm-hmm. Like, you might go by your own little code, Fett, but that's not our code. <laughs> and now when people think Mandalorians... They think of you, yeah, with you know, you know, uh, Wookie braids and mm-hmm. other captures hanging from your armor, and that's not us. So to see them kind of address that in post Return of the Jedi era yeah, would be fascinating. Like that too, it's like cultural appropriation. Yeah, yeah, yeah. If I you like really it. did steal the armor, yeah, that'd be interesting to explore. Any final big thoughts about the Mandalorians before we uh, wrap up with a fun question? I I just think there's a lot there, and that's to to still mine and learn, and a lot of the general Star Wars public. Uh, will have fun learning if they're open to it. You know, yeah. I think a lot of people, and I'm just not not even just casual fans. A lot of people would still say, "Oh, Boba Fett, he's one of the Mandalorians, right?" And and, and, and I think <laughs> it's us and a lot of core fans who know the difference. You know, yeah. oh, Jennifer, have fun tonight to fight that one out. <laughs> and I think this series has a lot of merit if that's the case. Again, we're speculating, generally responsibly, fairly responsible. We're hedging our bets, but uh, <laughs> I. I I'm intrigued by that. It's it's an uncharted territory in Star Wars fandom. Yeah, yeah. How about you, Jennifer? Any any final thoughts? 
Uh, you know what? This has actually gotten me really excited. I now want to see Boba Fett. <gasps> what? what? It's true. <laughs> I do. I think that this could be really, really fascinating. I like the idea of bringing Daniel Logan back and, and yeah. giving him a shot. Let's see what he can do. All right. Hashtag speculate responsibly. Give us Logan. Logan, yeah. Logan for Fett. Logan for Fett. <laughs> Logan for Fett. Uh, final fun question. If we could have any part of a Mandalorian's tricked out armor, what would it be? Do you want a, a jet packet, a, a flamethrower, a whip cord, knee darts? What do you want? I think I have to go jetpack based on LA traffic alone. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I the flamethrower, like, I love grilling steaks and I love, like, firing up a barbecue. I don't have one currently, but I used to have a gas powered gar- barbecue. Once almost took my eyebrows off. <laughs> I don't trust flame. Yeah. Yeah. So um, I like putting out flame. I've had a chance to put out a few fires. It's fun. I just don't want them want it shooting out of my wrists. Yeah. Yeah. So. It seems to be activated by maybe some sort of motion. <laughs> yeah. Like, yeah. Uh, How about you, Jennifer? I would say jetpack, but I've seen videos on YouTube of people kind of using those water jetpacks. And it just, it (laughs) looks like there's so much room for an accident. I just feel like it would be disastrous. I'd end up like on the 405, (laughs) like stuck there. The the, the tech needs to be perfect. It needs to be perfect. I still wear contacts because I'm not going in for laser sculpting of my eyes because I don't trust it. Me too. 40 years from now, I might. But I don't get this down pat. And right. people are like, it is down pat. I want extra proof. <laughs> extra pat. I won't be on a jetpack until it's uh, as safe as my Camry. I'm yeah. with you. In 40 years, it's going to be a Mandalorian doctor who has a little laser in the wrist gauntlet. <laughs> yeah. Punch the buttons. It's <laughs> mm. so one of my favorite <laughs> dumb graphics from Battlefront 2. Uh, when when the character, when yeah. Boba lands, he punches some buttons on his wrist gauntlet. Like he's uh, maybe uh, just updating his Google calendar. Yeah, checking like his steps. <laughs> killing Han Solo today. Yes. Flew this many miles. Oh Add to calendar. Awesome. I want knee darts. Nobody expects knee darts. Knee darts, oh, knee darts wow. are always a surprise. You wouldn't see them coming. No, no one expects the knee darts. <laughs> they are the Spanish Inquisition mm-hmm. of Mandalorian armor. No one expects knee darts. That is our look at the Mandalorians. I'm sure much more talking about them to come if all the rumors prove true. Uh, absolutely. Uh, we're going to have a lot more fun. I'm sure it's talking about the series and I, and I can't wait when things start not leaking out but you know emerging casting news story yeah. news mm-hmm. leaked set photos you know all those things I try to avoid but it'll be fun it'll be fun for the series uh, thank you Joseph for taking us through Mandalorian Mania if you guys have thoughts on the series we'll tell you where to reach us at the end of the show if you don't already know but as we like to do we go to the audience you you have some questions for us and here they are today Rona Rivera Ramen at Rona Rivera on Twitter. <laughs> Will Force Ghost Luke have long hair or short hair, beard or no ha- uh, beard? Uh, hashtag episode nine. Hashtag speculate responsibly at Force Center Pod. That's the way to get our attention. Rona, great question. Joseph, I'll start with you. I think we want to uh, try to avoid uh, analyzing Mark Hamill's real world hair, but I think it uh, could factor in. Yeah, Luke's, Luke's hair. I think this is an opportunity to answer uh, some of the deep questions about Force Ghosts. Do they appear as they did when they passed as a Jedi, or do they choose how they appear? And I think uh, that's the most interesting thing. It's like, I feel like Luke would want, like, he appeared a little bit more clean cut because mm-hmm. he knew that's what people needed to see. Yeah, uh, on crate. 
I feel like Luke is just going to want to let it let himself be scraggly. <laughs> let, 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 let all the out. Luke hang out. Let all the Skywalker hang out. I think <laughs> oh, he's going to let himself just appear as he did uh, when he was sitting on that rock looking at the two suns. I like that idea, Jennifer. I'm going to go um, with how he looks, how Mark Hamill looks. I can't help it. He has yeah. short hair right now. He has no beard. Oh, right. right. Yeah, so I yeah. think that maybe that's, that's the way he's going to appear as a force ghost. I'm just going to go obvious. Yeah. Uh, hmm. that, that's I, I, I try not to, and he was just posting stuff uh, with his dog, Millie. Oh, yeah, And Millie. he's got a little bit of scruff. He's got it, Maybe a beard might be coming back. As someone who shaves in the morning and has a beard at night, I can tell you, beards beards come and go. But uh, <laughs> uh, And I'm waiting for Bearded Scrimshaw to return, one of my favorite <laughs> things of his uh, throwback photos. But, uh, yeah, I, I'm kind of with you. It looks like he's going to go a little shorter. I do, I'd love Joseph's idea times 10. Like we're talking, you want really like I want George Harrison on the cover of All Things Must Pass, Hand, uh, hair down to his uh, uh, past his shoulders, wow. beard. I, I just want that. I would you, love you that. You want him to like turn a yeah. chair around backwards and sit down with an acoustic guitar and <laughs> yeah. sing some songs. Yes, <laughs> yes. <It's> easy top. <laughs> yes, yes. Uh, I got force and I know how to use them. All right, thank you, brother, oh for that question. <laughs> Sean Fitzgerald reaches out to us from our Facebook page and asks, is Ahsoka Tano coming back to finish her Clone Wars arc, a sign that she will be given another arc with Sabine looking for Ezra and Thrawn, one of the speculated stories and series that we have not heard about. Dave Filoni definitely leaves that open at the end of Rebels. Uh, Rebels and uh, uh, what do you think here, Jen? Ahsoka mm. Tano, more? I'd love to see more of Ahsoka Tano, but I don't know about a, the art. We, 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 mm-hmm. yeah. Are we going to get the art? No, no. Are the we? new Clone Wars? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, we are? Yeah, probably oh. looks like we're getting the Siege of Mandalore. Oh, right, right, which, right. Speaking of Mandalorians, uh, mm-hmm. yeah, so yeah. she's there. She's I there. think that's Bo Katan next to her. I don't yeah. know. That's, that is, yeah, it is yeah. Bo Katan. Okay. Yeah, thank you for reminding Okay, me. so what do you want? You want more Ahsoka after that, even, Jen? Yeah, I want a live action Ahsoka. Uh, I just do. Ooh. I really wish that we could get Ashley. Uh, in the in the costume. But yeah, I, I don't know. I love Ahsoka Tano as a character. I love the way that she has evolved. I love Ashley Eckstein. So any way that we can get more Ahsoka, give it to me. I like that. Yeah. I feel like the, that story has to be told eventually. Like, I mean, I yeah. feel like that end to Rebels was a lovely end to Rebels, but it was almost like Filoni putting uh, money in his retirement fund <laughs> of like, I'm, I'm going to tell this, I'm gonna tell this story, story at some point. So I wonder if maybe... The Clone Wars on the streaming service is almost a financial test run of Mm. the cost to produce this. Is it worth it? So that maybe we wouldn't get um, the new Star Wars Unknown Regions starring Ahsoka and Ezra, but maybe we would get a 10-episode arc telling that specific story with Ahsoka and Sabine in the search for Ezra. Mm -hmm. It's the the buddy cop picture I think everyone wants right now. Yeah. Ahsoka and Sabine. And uh, Ezra, you have Thrawn. I mean, yeah, space whales. You got them all you out. Got there. it all. Go to Purgletown. Uh, <laughs> I, I think. I think Dave wants that. But I think uh, what you're saying is true. Is 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 the fervor there? I think it is in the hardcore fans. Yeah, the people of Star Wars Celebration would freak out if they announced, uh, you know, Sabine and Ahsoka, the yeah. new adventures. I think people would love it. Um, we'll just got to see if it's if Iger Khan feels like it's right. <laughs> Thank you, Sean. From Patreon. We go to Patreon every show for two questions from you, our faithful supporters. And this one's from Kenny Yokoyama, who asks, which planets would you guys want to grow up in? Now listen carefully. 
grow up in, work, and then retire to. doesn't have to be the same planet for all three, but I guess technically it could. Kenny, great question. Uh, Joseph, do you have a long-term Star Wars Galaxy plan? <laughs> I think I would want to grow up in and probably mostly work on with some travel Coruscant. Uh, I'm, just, I'm a city person, and uh, mm-hmm. the whole planet's a city. <laughs> uh, so I think I would be very happy to be on Coruscant. This is such a hard question because mm-hmm. in Star Wars we see really inhospitable environments, yeah. Tatooine, Hoth, Jakku, uh, and then we see beautiful places like Aldron and Naboo, who are eventually crushed <laughs> by terrible wars. So you're like, oh, well, is there a place I can just chill? Uh, I would like to retire to a repurposed scarif uh, that oh, has been yeah. basically turned into, hmm. and I mean this in the best possible way, a retirement planet. Yeah. Whereas, like, you want somewhere to live out the final, <laughs> however old you get to live, the final moments. Yeah. The final years, uh, the twilight of your mm-hmm. adventure here on beautiful Scarif, with yeah. these large towers yeah. overlooking that beautiful landscape. That's what I want. That's a good retirement plan. Mm. Jen, what do you got? Come on. It's so obvious. I'd want to grow up in uh, Endor, of course. Grow up in Endor. Be okay. magical. Work on, in Coruscant. Okay. And then retire in Naboo so I could look at the shack, right? Oh, yeah. The butt cows. The butt cows. Yeah. Yeah. What a way to wind out your final <laughs> years. <laughs> It's so funny. I think, <laughs> I think we're the reverse. I'm really trying bad? to think of a different answer, but I, but it mirrors my life. Hmm. Born in the city of Orange, but at seven years old moved out. Really? Yeah, I was born. I lived near the Circle in Orange. Oh my gosh! Yeah. Okay. So, but at seven we moved. So I was oh. raised in in Pismo Beach, Arroyo Grande, California. Right. Small town, beachside, beautiful God's country, seventy two degrees every day. But then I moved to LA, and I'm twenty years. This is my twenty year week anniversary of living in Los Angeles. Um, the so whole I, city is the, a planet. The whole city is a planet. So I'm like you, Joseph. Like I, I like this. I like urban living. Yeah. I like I like that. But I already now at my age, I don't think I'll ever be able to retire. But I want to. <laughs> I'm already looking to uh, Boise, Idaho, uh, Montana, uh, the Redwoods, uh, Northern California, or maybe really? even my hometown. So I almost want to go Naboo, Coruscant, Endor. Endor. And hang wow. out with my friend Chief Chirpa or Chief Wicked if he takes it. That's over. true. When you get frustrated, you send us emails saying, eh, maybe we yeah. should just move to Montana. That's it. Yeah, That's you're it. right. Yeah. I want the, yeah. So I love, I love the city. I feed off city life. Love New York City now that I've had a chance to finally go there as an adult. Um, and, and, uh, but I just, I, I was raised with wide open spaces. Yeah. I could just get in a car and drive to the country, you know? Mm. So, you know, Endor. There you Retired go. Retired Endor. Wow. Hmm. All right. Well, you guys can visit me on Scarif. <laughs> I like that too, though. Uh, Kenny, great question, because we, we get that a lot. Hey, what planet, what planet, what planet? And, um, you know, like, all three of them together, it's like a nice retirement, a, a nice fully functional life in yeah, the Star Wars galaxy. Yeah, so yeah I We like appreciate that. Kai Thatch has our final question of the day. Two related questions. Would you like to see Ben Solo piloting the Millennium Falcon? And what do you think are the chances of the Millennium Falcon being destroyed in Episode Nine? Ooh, we talked about Star Trek and what they do to that poor Enterprise a few times. <laughs> it is a character. Jen, could we see the end of the Falcon? But before then, Ben Solo may be redeemed in the pilot or co-pilot's chair. No and no. <laughs> I will not allow this. I will not allow Ben Solo pilot. No, he doesn't. He does not deserve that. He can be redeemed, but you don't get to have joy rides in the Falcon. And the Falcon cannot be destroyed. End of story. Yeah. I can only take so much. Yeah. You know, I mean, Luke is gone. Han is gone. Obviously, now Leia is going to be gone. I can't take any more. Yeah. 
Yeah. Yeah. Joseph? I would love to see Ben Solo on the Falcon since that ended up uh, being on the cutting room floor. Right. So I, w- I would definitely like to see him set foot on the ship and kind of close out that relationship they've mm-hmm. built that he has with it and maybe even something with the dice. I agree with you that I feel like I think it might be interesting for him not to be, for him to admit his mistakes, which is maybe different than redeemed. Yes. But he certainly doesn't get to have a good time on the Falcon. No, <laughs> no, no, he can sit in back and watch while yeah. somebody else pilots. <laughs> Chewie can fly him to uh, wherever they are going to maroon Kylo Ren. Exactly. Yeah. Uh, ben Solo. I do not want the Falcon to be destroyed. I, I, yeah. I, I'd feel like there is a difference between a, a character having an arc and then mm-hmm. uh, the Falcon truly being a, a symbol yeah. of the ongoing resistance and roguish hope of the galaxy. Uh, Enterprise has been destroyed way too many times. It is the Kenny of ships now. Yeah. Like, <laughs> oh my God, you blew up the Enterprise again. It has no weight. Uh, and right, I, in right. the, I want the Falcon to say uh, alive and strong. And I want, if they do, sometime mm-hmm. they do, hey, we did decide to continue the Skywalker uh, saga and it's uh, 500 years later. And right. the Falcon is still there. I like that. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, I'd like to lean into that. Lean into that idea of it's this character, that the book that's coming out that's kind of what Bazine tell telling the history of the Falcon or the yeah. adventures of the Falcon. I'm intrigued by that. Uh, just just because it, yeah, right. It's beyond the character. It's become this 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 symbol that they use in a lot of marketing. Force yeah. Awakens. Should we were home was on the Falcon. The bed sheets on my bed right now. The bed sheets on the bed. <laughs> uh, the 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 teaser trailer. Uh, yeah, the dark side and the light. Boom! The Falcon explodes into the sky. The light. Yeah, yeah. So it's important, and I, and I think it's okay, especially in this modern era of storytelling where we kill off our heroes and all this kind of stuff. And some of it I like. I like the death of Luke. I got the passing of Han. Give us the Falcon. Yeah, keep yeah. that to the end. As far as Ben Solo on it, I too love that moment in The Force Awakens. Maybe in the novel more than the cutting room floor scene, the deleted scene, but probably deleted for a reason. Yeah, uh, maybe that just means we get a more powerful moment later. Whether or not it's with with his uh, redemption or not, I kind of agree with you, Jen. But like, maybe the fact that he realizes he doesn't have the right to sit in that yeah. chair, and maybe even Chewie's like, get out of there, <laughs> or Ray's like, <laughs> don't you even yours. think about yeah. it. something like that. So it could be good. Kai, Kenny, Sean, Rona, thanks for the questions. We appreciate it. If you out there have a question, you can reach out to us several different ways. On Twitter at Force Center Pod, use the hashtag Force Center so we can find it even easier. On our Facebook page, which is Force Center Podcast, we do have a website, forcecenterpod.podomatic.net, tpublic.com slash user slash Force Center is where you can get our merch and tweet us pictures of your merch, and we'll share them. The podcast is available in several spots, including Podomatic, iHeartRadio, Apple Podcasts, Google Play, and Google Podcasts, which I believe now is up and running, separate thing, Stitcher, TuneIn, Spotify, all those spots, <laughs> and then on Patreon, Joseph, where we are building towards new goals. That is right. We just recently released the audio of our last Jedi commentary uh, that was made possible, both the time and the tech needed to do that by our patrons for still building to that goal of unlocking commentary for all the Star Wars movies. If you want to help us out with that, with a buck or two a month, go to patreon.com slash center. Absolutely. Before we step on out of here, we want to let you know where you can find us, Jennifer. That's right. You can find me on Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, and YouTube at Jennifer Landa. Mr. Scrimshaw. 
You can find me on Twitter and Instagram is at Joseph Scrimshaw, and you can check out my website, josephscrimshaw.com, for live shows, comedy albums, all that stuff. And I did want to give a special mention to my uh, other podcast, Obsessed. This week's episode that came out uh, last Thursday is with uh, Rachel Cushing, which uh, a lot of people know who listen to Force Center uh, from the Schmodown talking all about Lord of the Rings. We go uh, deep on her love of Lord of the Rings, and it's a really great episode. So if you haven't checked out Obsessed before, this is a great episode to try. Love it. Obsessed is a great show. Check that out. And uh, I want to give a shout out to on our Force Center YouTube page, the, the In Memoriams, which are pulled from a spotlight stars, Star Wars. Uh, Kevin Smits, who's actually a friend of Rachel's, their fellow oh, nice. editors, Kevin Smits, uh, puts them together and makes them so well. So check those out. They're uh, so great, Kevin. Uh, mm-hmm. Thanks to Kevin, makes them what they are, man. He gets a grainy thing on the photos. It I makes it look it. like a Ken Burns documentary. <laughs> uh, you can follow me at Ken Napsuck. That includes Twitch and Instagram TV. And, oh, speaking of Twitch, oh, you all, it's, it's the modern days so you can't see the uh, package of the game but over there on my PS4 you guys are looking at right Ooh. now in this audio based podcast um, I uh, thanks to Mark Donica uh, he nudged me I for $10 bought the Star Wars uh, like pod racer racer revenge game the, the PlayStation I think 2 redo nice. of the pod race game and uh, I think we're uh, going to start doing some Twitch streams where you guys can join me and for oh, a little yeah. mini tournament and uh, excited for that it looks good Looks Beautiful. good. I can't wait to be Tinto. I, I have to, yeah, he's I have to unlock Gascano though. Okay. I have to get that. <laughs> get to work. <laughs> Sorry. Long outro, but that is it. We appreciate you all who ask questions. Thanks for listening. We'll see what happens. So for John Favreau, who's in his bedroom scribbling Star Wars stories right now, we'll see you next time here on Force Center. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365 day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. 
Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50% to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. 